0: Using war to drive political agendas, setting the stage for Armageddon. The future of banking is a cashless society. Europe's new digital identity wallet. The International Monetary Fund says that central banking digital currencies can replace cash. The hottest year in 125,000 years. Ugh. More climate propaganda the regional and global ramifications of the 40 days of war in Gaza, and Biden is still giving Iran another $10 billion? Well, stay tuned for another exciting edition of The End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. And wow, did we ever have a conference in Thibodeau, Louisiana. The city is about 16 to 17,000 people, and the church runs over 800 people. And we had close to 400 people there on Sunday night, almost 200 visitors. Wow, what a time we had down there. And man, I can just tell the conferences next year are going to be cram-packed full of people because it's time, right? There's so much going on in the news right now. People want to know what's going on. We had a wonderful conference on Sunday night. Monday night I stayed over to do a Q&A session with their Bible study class. Wow, what a time we had. A lot of lives were changed, and it was awesome. And what a church they have down there in Thibodeau. And I've got a conference the first on every weekend in January. I mean, next year is just taking off with a bang. So if you want us to come to a prophecy conference, man, you better give us a call quick because next year is booking up very rapidly. I'm going to be looks like I'm going to be going to Greece in at their camp meeting in July, and we're going to be going all over the United States. So looking forward to next year. However, I want you to understand what's going on. We're going to do like a world review today. What's going on in Bible prophecy? Things that have been happening historically and things that have been happening right now. And it's setting the stage for the end time run here. Just the final little bit of time that we have left. And I want you to understand when you think about wars and wars throughout history, wars have been used. This sounds horrific, but wars have been used for decades to advance political agendas. I want you to listen to an excerpt from G. Edward Griffin's. I just had him on the program here a couple months ago. G. Edward Griffin, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Isle, because most of you would know of the Bolshevik Revolution that that took over from the Romanovs in Russia and they instituted a um, a central bank, uh, and uh, uh, an international banking system, and a lot of different things happened after The Bolshevik Revolution well that didn't happen by accident that was by grand design and there were people here in the United States that were influential in that happening but I want you to hear something uh, very important that goes along with Bible prophecy and when I talked to G. Edward Griffin he said you know Dave I'm not a theologian not a big religious guy but it's almost when he wrote some of these books that exposing the Federal Reserve and the United Nations, it was almost as if he read, if he read the Bible and then wrote the book because he was, he was exposing the fulfillment of Bible prophecies in the end time. I want you to listen to an excerpt from the book. The Bolshevik Revolution was a coup d'etat in which a radical minority captured the Russian government from the moderate revolutionary majority. The Red Cross mission of New York financiers through support, I said New York, by the way, in the United States, New York financiers through support to the Bolsheviks and in return received economic rewards. This is how it's, our world's being is working right now. Economic rewards in the form of rights to Russia's natural resources plus contracts for construction and supplies. The continued participation in the economic development of Russia and Eastern Europe Since that time indicates that this relationship has survived to the present day. These financiers, this is so important, listen to this. These financiers are not pro-communist. Their motivation is profit and power. That's the goal. They don't care if you call them a communist or or a capitalist. They could care less. They're just in it for the power and the money. You can call them whatever they want, whatever you want. And then it says this, They are now working to bring both Russia and the United States, and I'm quoting here, into a world government which these globalists expect to control. Listen closely. War and threats of war are tools to prod the masses toward the acceptance of that goal, of moving everybody into a world governing body. Now, the Bible prophesies there's going to be a world government in the end time controlled by Satan and the Antichrist. And I've speculated for years that the first world war, which was the first trumpet, that that crisis led to the first effort of world government, which was the League of Nations. But the League of Nations failed. The the Congress of the United States didn't want to yield up so much of the United States sovereignty to that world-governing body. So guess what? They needed a bigger crisis. World War II comes along, and on the heels of that, they knew they had to have the United States involved in World War II, because without the United States, no world government. So guess what? We were dragging our heels at the, at, during World War II, and then Pearl Harbor happened. Once Pearl Harbor happened, many people believe that that was a pre-planned incident, and that FDR knew that it was going to happen. Many people believe that, I say. And that the pre- Pearl Harbor was the event that got the United... Because FDR was a globalist. And he, he is the one that put the uh, New World Order on our dollar bill in the all-seeing eye, in the um, ribbon under the pyramid with the all-seeing eye, New World Order, Novus Ordo Secorum in 1935 ten years before the United Nations Charter was signed in San Francisco at the end of World War II but they do not they still don't have the fully functioning world government that they want dictatorial powers to be able to dictate to the nations because after World War II the victor the victorious nations said we want veto power I think it was uh, who was it Great Britain Russia, China, the United States, and France. So currently today, the power does not lie in the General Assembly. The power lies in the U.N. Security Council and the veto power that they have. And, but so they don't, the United Nations can't dictate like they want to. That's why Antonio Guterres is saying, well, we, the United Nations doesn't have the teeth or the enforcement methods that they want. So. Guess what the Bible says is coming, folks? World War I wasn't a big enough crisis. World War II wasn't a big enough crisis. And G. Edward Griffin in his book, Creature from Jekyll Isle, says that these wars have been used for years to push us towards a world-governing body. Well, now, guess what the Bible says is coming? World War III. Revelation 9, verse 13 through 21. On the heels of that, We will move into a fully functioning world governing body that the Antichrist will eventually usurp authority over, and he will run that world government all the way until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what's coming in the future. And World War III is going to happen. There's not one-tenth of one percent chance that it won't happen. And this is what's coming before very long. And the current events in the Middle East with Iran, the ring of fire around Israel, Hamas, Israel, everything that's going on, That could be the spark that sets off World War III. You say, Dave, here you go, trying to sensationalize and scare us all to death. No, I don't know if that's the event. I, I honestly do not know. I do know that the Bible says, loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. And so the four nations that house that, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Iran, Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, all four nations are involved in this conflict going on as we speak. So could this be the beginnings of it? At this point, folks, I, I can't tell you conclusively. But it certainly could be. And so it's something we certainly need to be watching because this, it's time for it on God's prophetic time clock. It's time for it right now. So we certainly have to be looking at it and uh, considering all the Bible prophecies that surround that event as well. Things that are supposed to happen before that, things that are supposed to happen immediately after that. My lesson next year is going to be going through that in great detail at my conferences, and uh, I'll be writing articles and different things on that because we're certainly staring this thing in the face. So I know that you, uh, you know, I know we're following this all the time, and we're trying to keep certainly just motivated out of our mind day and night to follow all of these topics, right? And one of the things that we're doing is we're drinking first cup coffee and I wanted to throw this in here because there you know we're certainly energized and motivated by our God-given purpose and thankfully we've got some people that have partnered with us to help us do that first cup coffee it's not a woke company they don't they're not trying to rewrite our history and lobbied for all this woke stuff um, that's going on I mean they're, they're not trying to defund our military and all these things that Some companies are really lobbying to do. These guys are a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company out of Texas. They've got 11 different roasts. I drank um, the John Hancock roast this morning. I finally got my pods that fit in a Keurig machine, and it's actually pretty cool. So if you'd like to support a company that is supporting End Time Ministries, go to firstcup.com, use code Time. To get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you an additional 10% off. Go to firstcup.com, use code ENDTIME, and get that 10% off today because I'm telling you, the coffee's actually pretty good, and these guys are not supporting, supporting all these woke causes. And those are the kind of companies that I like to support. If you support them, they're supporting us in turn, and it allows us to share the gospel all over the world, to do everything we're doing in Israel. And they're helping support us financially. And, man, it's, it's just a great arrangement. So certainly appreciate it And um, in your efforts to help support End Time Ministries. Plus, it's a good cup of coffee if you, for all you coffee drinkers out there. Um, now, let me move from that to seg, uh, setting the stage for Armageddon. What's going on here? You know, Zechariah 14, 1-3 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and the spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. The day of the Lord is going to be at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ and when the Lord will pour His wrath out upon the armies that come down against Israel to battle. It's in Revelation chapter 16, the seven vials of the wrath of God. Well, the Bible says in Zechariah 14:2, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half, at that time, half of the city... Of Jerusalem will go forth into captivity. The residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. And then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. This is when he's going to come back, plant his feet upon the Mount of Olives. It's when the Battle of Armageddon is culminating right there in the Kidron Valley between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. The Lord's going to come back, plant his feet up on the Mount of Olives, and, and he's going to come back with the saints that have been raptured. You have the rapture, marriage supper, the Lamb of the Sky, go straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. One continuous event. And this is when it culminates, right there at the Battle of Armageddon. God's fury, the Bible says, is going to come up in his face, and he is done, and he's going to come annihilate those armies. Well, You can see the stage being set for this right now, where the nations of the world will come down against Israel to to force them to comply with the edicts of the world-governing body. They're actually doing it right now in many efforts. They're saying, there was an article the other day, I I think Doug and Vince may have talked about it, about the international community needs to force Israel and and and, and the Palestinians to sign a peace agreement. That's what the United Nations would love to be able to do, is to just dictate that Israel bow down and comply with the world governing edicts. That's what the United Nations is really all about. They are not the last great humanitarian hope for mankind, folks. The United Nations is the seat of world government in the earth today. And all they need is one big crisis to where the nations of the world will yield up their sovereignty to this world-governing body. That's what they want to happen. They, they are ran by globalists that want, to, that want to create a world-governing body. Antonio Guterres is one of those individuals. He's the current Secretary General. And so it's been the goal from the beginning. Remember, Alger Hiss, was commissioned by FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, by Stalin, by Churchill, and all of them. They all had their meetings and they were talking about all of this. And Alger Hiss, who was a communist spy, was given the the commission to be the architect of the United Nations. And these guys were globalists. And so That's why it's important that we understand what's really going on in the world today. We're not, I'm not looking for the end. Let me see, when's the end time going to begin? I wonder, will that be 100 or 200 years from now? Absolutely not. Folks, we're way off into the end time. I had somebody ask me the other day, and then I'll get into this article. I had somebody ask me the other night down at the conference in Thibodeau. uh, Jesus said, no man knoweth the day or the hour. And... I totally agree with that. Everybody says, how can you guys say that there's about, you know, that when there's a peace agreement signed, there's seven years left and everything. Well, 2,000 years ago, they couldn't know. God told Daniel, no, Daniel, close up and seal your book. It's for the time of the end. So even I've had people say, well, what about my great grandpa who was trying to figure out all these prophecies, but you guys are saying that he's wrong. I'm not saying that they were necessarily wrong. I'm saying that our great grandpas and things that tried to figure this out that were teaching pre-trib and teach we actually my father-in-law actually had one evangelist come through when he was a young man about 18, 19 years old, and he said that the four beasts of Revelation were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <laughs> and the guy was a spirit-led man of God, but the fact of the matter is it wasn't time for them to understand some of these prophecies. The Bible, the Bible, God told Daniel no. Close up and see your, your book. It's for the people of the time of the end. So there's no way um, the old evangelist Joe Duke that my father-in-law heard say that. There's no way that he could know about the Chernobyl nuclear accident. And some of these different prophecies that we understand now because it hadn't happened yet. Many of them. That was back in the um, early 60s. And so some of these guys that had maybe listened to Clarence Larkin or some of these other things, they were doing the best they could. They were spirit-led individuals. They were seeking God's face. They were very sincere and loved God. And those that had passed on during that era, they're in heaven now. But it simply wasn't time for them to understand some of these prophecies. However, God was saying that there will come a time when there would be people that do understand them. Daniel, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and John all said that we can understand these Bible prophecies. And I may not be able to ever give you the specific day that the rapture is going to happen, but I can certainly look and say, okay, I've got a pretty good idea, maybe a season and a time when this thing is absolutely going to wrap up. And... Will I ever give dates? No. But I can certainly say, look, here's what the Bible says. This is going to happen, and then there's only going to be seven years, and then three and a half years, and, you know, I can can walk you through the timelines. Because the more we get off into this thing, the more we're understanding everybody. So it's very important that we be able to answer some of these questions. And I know that you guys are studying. Many of you are buying uh, our new book, Understanding the End Time. You're watching our new DVDs, understanding the end time, and certainly would encourage you. Calling, I had somebody calling. I mean, I spent 30 minutes with him on the phone this morning, and we—he was teaching this stuff, and he just had some questions, and we went back and forth. He was like, "Man, this is so cool. I, I can call you and just, you know, hey, I'm—I'm I'm common folk like everybody else. We don't consider ourselves movie stars and all this other stuff. That's not what I'm trying to do." doug vince myself end time ministries i'm trying to get people to heaven i don't care about hollywood and all that movie television stuff i don't care about that stuff we're on tv simply so we can reach more people folks and so call in here email me and doug we'll answer your questions i'm doing the best to help everybody understand this stuff and another thing The DVDs that we had just put out over a couple months ago, we got them in. The books are flying off the shelf. They make awesome Christmas presents. Go to endtime.com. There are specials and different things that are coming up really close. Uh, We're going to do some Black Friday specials and a lot of stuff coming up. The book and the DVDs and some of the things that me and Doug and and, uh, Vince have put out lately, they make great Christmas gifts. we, we We are selling out at our conferences and we're having to ship a ton of them because we simply didn't take enough to the conference. We're gonna have to take a lot more because they're making great Christmas gifts. People are wanting to give them to everybody, so buy stacks and stacks of the books, give them to your friends, family, your sphere of influence for Christmas. Man, you talk about some great conversation pieces starting up, Um, they get off into that book and that's got a lot of questions flying, so it's pretty awesome. So with that said, let me talk to you really quick about Birch Gold before I go into this next article because uh, a lot of people are very interested in gold and some different things nowadays and you know there are i'm going to get into some articles here if i have time about some central bank digital currencies but there are governments that are trying to push their digital currencies and digital ids on their respective populations and they and i'll talk about it here in a moment but they could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing it's it, to me it's one of the main things that they're doing setting the stage for the the mark of the beast in the near future. They can can prohibit you from purchasing certain products because these things are programmable. Or Or to freeze or seize part of all of your money. So in essence, it would enable a government to control your finances. And there are some concerned Americans that are wanting to diversify their assets into physical gold. Some people are wanting to do that. So, And they're doing that with the help of Birch Gold Group, somebody you can trust. If you want a physical asset, it can be held in a, uh, let's say, a tax-sheltered retirement account. Go to birchgold.com and slash end time to get your free info kit on gold. And if you have an IRA or something like that, maybe, let's say, a 401K, and that you've had laying around for a while, it's getting dust that thick on it, and maybe you've all even forgot about it. Birchgold gold can help you convert that into an ira in gold you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket so go to birchgold.com slash end time claim your free info kit on gold because if digital currency becomes a reality for all you may want to have some gold to fall back on that you might be able to get into a fractionalized situation and i know there's some guys here in texas that are working on some different gold uh maybe a gold-backed digital dollar where they could you could buy some gold and then they will fractionalize it by giving you a a, um, debit-type card where you can go out and make purchases and things. So there's people working on all kinds of stuff to help get around a a central bank digital currency. So it doesn't hurt to diversify um, your resources, certainly. Uh, Especially like if you were in the the, um, S&P 500, you certainly want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? All you investors out there, you're going to want to diversify. And a lot of guys, G. Edward Griffin, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Isle and The Fearful Master and all that, he said, I only keep enough fiat currency on hand to pay my bills. The rest of it I've got in in, uh, hard assets. And so it's something for you to consider. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just saying it's something that a lot of you that are wanting to get into gold, birch gold's a good way to do it. Okay, so uh, with this said about the nations coming down against Israel, setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon, Al Jazeera is that they did an analysis and they said can the next UN vote stop Israel's war on Gaza so it's very important because we're talking about a US veto situation and the veto power of the UN Security Council they say that this Al Jazeera article I pulled a couple excerpts from it because it said that Malta has circulated a new draft resolution focusing on Gaza's children what they're trying to do is they're trying to force Israel into compliance with the world-governing edicts and to force them to do what the international community wants them to do. So they're looking for every angle they can get so that the United States will not veto a resolution on Israel. Well, so what they're doing is they're circulating a draft resolution on the children in Gaza. And... Um Al Jazeera has, is asking the question, will the U.S. veto a resolution protecting the children of Gaza? Now you can see the dynamic, you can see the narrative that they're spinning here. They say that diplomatic resources have told Al Jazeera that a new resolution is being drafted with a focus on children in hopes that all 15 members of the U.N. Security Council can agree on protections for children in the ongoing in the Gaza conflict. Well, why has the UN failed to agree to a ceasefire in Gaza? Well, previous UN Security Council draft resolutions calling for a ceasefire in Gaza have failed. Two resolutions drafted by Russia didn't get enough votes because, obviously, the UN, among, the, uh, the, were among those countries that voted against them, all they could do is raise their hand and it shot down. That's where the power lies, the UN Security Council. Even though a resolution proposed by Brazil received 12 votes out of the 15 member states. The U.S. vetoed the draft. All they could do is raise their hand. And Russia and China vetoed a resolution drafted by the United States. And it's just, it's so crazy. It, the United Nations right now is a paper tiger. It's not always going to be that way. But even when the United States tried to pass a resolution, the, United, the U.N. Security Council tries to pass a resolution about Russia going into Ukraine, all Russia the invading power, all they had to do was raise their hand and veto it, and the United Nations was helpless. And the United Nations leaders cannot stand it. It is galling them. And so, while the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, again, it's China, France, Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States, while they have the power to veto any resolution that they do not like, it remains reasonably... You know, kind of rare. The U.S. and Russia are the two countries that have exercised their veto power the most in the past. In recent years, the U.S. has mostly used its veto power to protect our our ally Israel, which is a very good thing, and that plays into Bible prophecy as well, because you understand what's happening in the future. The United States is going to protect Israel against the dragon and the world-governing body in the end time, and it's highly likely that we will use our U.N. Security Council veto power to do that. There are a lot of people in the United Nations that would like to abolish that veto power. But right now, I'll go into detail how they're wanting to use these resolutions and to play on the narrative that they're spinning. As a
1: viewer of the End Time Show, you're getting early access to Christmas deals starting right now. Do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays? What experiences and gifts would you receive this year? Well, the atmosphere at end time is nearly the same. We're excited because these deals are now available through the end of 2023. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives, and that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2023, you can get deals like a special VIP group video call with Dave Robbins when you get Understanding the End Time. End Time Plus subscription for 50% off, or my personal favorite, a $10 and under sale for almost 100 different products featuring Irvin Baxter, Dave Robbins, and more. Go to endtime.com deals for a full catalog of items. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hurry, supplies are limited. Go to endtime.com slash deals to What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV
0: and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time Prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. The, the question is, if the... Let's say the United States, under the Biden administration, which you never know what he's going to do. Because right now he's given, he just signed on to give Iran another $10 billion. I, it's, I, I, in my wildest dreams, I could not have imagined why he would be giving billions and billions of dollars to a nation that is funding Hamas, which has attacked Israel, uh, Can you explain anything the guy's doing? I'm just being honest here. But, because, and I will tell you, because this next part, Biden was influential in getting Resolution 2334 passed. So the question is, if a resolution were to pass and the United States would allow it to pass, because the United States is actually pressuring Israel to do ceasefires and to back off for four hours a day and give time to humanitarian aid. But what it's doing, it's allowing Hamas to reload their rockets is what it's doing. I mean, if I had a country on the run, what would you do? However, Israel agreed to it. And the question is right now in the news, will Israel abide if a resolution passes? Well, I'm going to get into that in great detail. Let me first mention Ready Pantry because... It's something that I think is actually pretty cool. I actually have some 25-year food, just in case of any kind of emergency. But, you know, you'd like to believe that grocery stores are always going to be there and they're always going to have the food. I mean, because right now they're, they're demonizing, um, like, there's a lot of people, China, a lot of places that are buying up our farmland. They're demonizing our farmers, which produce our food. I mean, we ought to be protecting our Farms like you can't imagine and I mean, I don't care if we got to put our military around our farmers We need to be protecting our farmers because without farmers folks. We don't have any food you understand. I Mean I come from a farming family both my grandpa's farmed over 50 years. I Know about farming no farmers no food I'm not gonna eat any of that stuff that they growed in a lab somewhere. Okay. Wow. Well, you can understand the supply chains and the collapse of that and all things you're trying to do in America. I mean, what if there was a way that, should a, a catastrophe hit, that you could have an affordable three-month emergency supply of food? Well, there is. Readypantry.com slash time offers 25-year, it's amazing, shelf-stable food. It includes all four, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. Not to mention, there's a peace of mind knowing that if there's an emergency, you've got some a, a few three or four or five buckets of food that you can go back there, add water, just get you a filtration system, get you a Berkey water filter or simth- uh, something, pour some water through it. I don't care if I got to go out to a creek somewhere, I'll be I'll be me and my wife will be and whoever else I can get my hands on, will be able to eat for a while and get through some kind of emergency. I don't care if it's a power outage, hurricane. You say, well, uh, power outage? Yeah, think about grid collapses. Our grids were not built yesterday, everybody. Anything can happen. Rolling blackouts, potentially war reaching our shores, the list goes on and on. Ready Pantry, it's an American-based company. All the products are sourced here in America. You're not gonna be disappointed. I mean, many long-term storage companies on the internet, they're selling food that's been sitting on warehouses 10 years, and it's only, it's 25 years shelf life. So imagine if you bought it and it's been 10 years old already. Well, Ready Pantry delivers the freshest products Packaged within the last couple months and That's the bit from being delivered to your home. So go to ready pantry. They're offering discounts up to 20% off For 3 to 12 month supplies go to readypantrycom ntime slash end time use code end time Save an additional 10% off on that order plus free shipping on all orders stock your pantry Even with uh, if you have to right here before Christmas. I get it. You can do a buy now pay later option And it's available at checkout by going to readypantry.com slash end time. And it's always kind of a peace of mind. I know when COVID hit, man, me and my wife went to Kroger. We came home from a prophecy conference, went to Kroger's that night, and that place looked like Vietnam just started. It was crazy. And people were, the the guys were bringing stuff out on those little pallet uh, dollies, and people were cutting the plastic off and grabbing stuff off of that. I thought World War III took off, but it was when the COVID thing hit. And so, it, and I didn't have any food bought at that time. Imagine if I'd have had, you know, six or eight buckets of that 25-year stuff. I wouldn't have had to go in there killing myself, trying to get some meat and bread and stuff at, at Kroger's that night. It was crazy. But any kind of a catastrophe. I mean, here in Texas, if they say there's going to be a hard rain, a lot of people won't even show up for church. And... So, I mean, it's just Texas. I love Texas, but, man, if, there, if there's a, even a thought that there might be some ice, oh, man. Every, the school's shut down. The church is shut down. Uh, I mean, people don't know how to drive on ice down here. They don't put salt out. Okay. i got to get back to the program. Wow. Um, uh, there was one time I went around in my truck picking people up from work because they were scared to come to work. I just said that, didn't I? Wow. Anyway, uh, we've got some good stuff now. That was people years ago. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, okay, man, we got to move. More recently, on December 23rd, 2016, during the last days of the Barack Obama, I'm going to say, remember this, the Barack Obama-Biden administration, because Biden was influential in all of this, the UN Security Council passed Resolution 2334. That resolution reaffirmed that Israel's settlements in the in occupied Palestine. Now this is the United Nations verbiage. I'm not, it's not occupied Palestine. If you understand the history of Israel, that's Israel's land. They're not occupying. It's disputed territory. So I don't agree with this. This is what the Resolution 2334 says. That the settlements, in, Israel's settlements in occupied Palestine, including East Jerusalem. Now that's the Holy Basin. That's where the Temple Mount is. That they say that Israel has no, no legal validity constituting a flagrant violation under international law. Now, there's no truth to any of that, but that's in the eyes of the international community. And it added that the settlements were a major obstacle in the vision of a two-state solution. That is not true. Don't believe every false narrative that you read in the news, guys. You've got, that's why we put out DVDs on the history of Israel, the future of Israel, what this is all about. God promising Abram, When he was standing in the promised land, I'm going to give you this land from the river in Egypt all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates, back in Genesis 15, 18, and it'll be yours and your descendants, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, forever. It's an eternal promise. Yes, they were exiled after the the temple was destroyed by the Roman general Titus in um, 70 AD, but Ezekiel 37... Ezekiel prophesied to the Valley of Dry Bones. It's a prophecy about God gathering the nation of Israel back together in the end time, after World War II. It it it's it has always been our opinion that the Valley of Dry Bones that Ezekiel was seeing was the Holocaust. Have you ever ever been to a Holocaust museum? Some of the it's worse than horrific videos that you can watch of bulldozers bulldozing bodies into mass graves and things. And it appears that that's what Ezekiel was seeing, the valley of dry bones. But God said, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. They're going to come back together. And this is the whole house of Israel that I will bring back together and set them in their land. So, this law, this international law, says that they have no legal validity, the settlements do, and that they're constituting a flagrant violation of international law, in God's eyes, is nonsense. But, As a result of this, Resolution 2334, that was allowed to pass in the UN Security Council by Obama and the Biden administration. Obama was getting nations to make sure that they uh, voted against it, and then all we did, the United States, was abstain, so we could say, well, everybody else voted against it. We just abstained. We didn't vote no. Yeah, you basically did, because you abstained. You're supposed to raise your hand and veto it, guys but they didn't do it. Samantha Powers, Obama told her, don't raise your hand. And they allowed this to pass. So because of that, there was considerable pressure from Israel and within the U.S. for the Obama administration to veto that, but in the end they abstained and the resolution passed with 14 votes, one abstention in the United States. Now, while the council's resolution, which also called for immediate steps to prevent Violence against civilians. I mean, think about that. It was binding international law. It was ignored by Israel. Well, what happens if a country defies the UN Security Council re- resolution? Now, remember, I started all this by saying setting the stage for the Battle of Armageddon. Well, the question is what happens if a country defies a UN Security Council resolution that has passed? Well, if the resolution is broken, the next step is for the Council to take punitive action. And that'll be done in a follow-up resolution which addresses the breach and calls for action. The United Nations has taken action in the past by sanctioning these breaching countries. Under the UN Charter, the Council can go for even further and order they can go even further and order the authorization of an international force, a coalition of nations, to come down against that nation that has resisted and that has not complied. A notable example of that would be um, in '91, when a U.S.-led military alliance was created to reverse the invasion of Kuwait by Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein. You remember that, this coalition of nations. Uh, George H.W. Bush said, it's not Saddam Hussein against the United States, it's Saddam Hussein against the world. And then we're talking about the new world order. That if a nation doesn't bow down to our edicts, we can form a coalition of nations and go down and enforce our will on that nation. Now, there are people that would are foaming at the mouth and drooling wanting to do that to Israel as we speak now what's happening right now is not that coalition of forces that's going to happen at the battle of armageddon the battle of armageddon the sixth trumpet war two different wars revelation 9:13 through 21 sixth trumpet war battle of armageddon zechariah 12:13 and 14 ezekiel 38 39 revelation 16 the vials of the wrath of god Coming ag- down against Israel to battle, the nations. So two different things, but still the international community is setting the stage for this. God knew. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows battle of Armageddon is coming when all the nations will come down against him to battle. That's not what's happening right now. Yes, is, Iran. <coughs> Iran does. Excuse me. Iran does have a ring of fire around uh, Israel but that's not what this is referring to in Zechariah 14 and in uh, Revelation 16, the kings of the east coming down across the dried up Euphrates River. Those are two different things and I want to make sure that you understand that they are because there are many teachers teaching right now against about um, Gog and Magog Ezekiel 38 and 39 that that could be what's going on right now or Zechariah 14 or Revelation 16 no those are the Battle of Armageddon you say well why aren't they mentioning Revelation uh, Revelation 9 13 to 21 because if you believe in a pre-trib rapture then you only can believe now think about this you can only believe you can only believe the narrative if you believe in a pre-trib that Revelation 9 13 to 21 can only happen during the final seven years so you're you can't mention Revelation 9 13 to 21 when that's the next event besides the peace agreement on God's prophetic timeline So it's important that we get these prophecies, right? So we can know exactly what to lay out for people, right? And so I'm very thankful that um, God has helped us to understand these prophecies so that way uh, We can know how to help people in the end time A voice spoke to me and said I've got something I want to show you I was so sure God had talked to me, and I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leper. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time. Now streaming on End time Plus and available to order at endtime.com UET. Go to endtime.com UET or call 800-END-TIME.
1: Time is um, not going uh, anywhere. <laughs>
0: Welcome back, everybody. Now, let me dive off into this last one here real quick. It would be precursors to the mark of the beast. because I want to kind of give you an overall worldview. What's going on around the world? Because it's not just happening right here in Texas or in the United States. When the Bible talks about precursors to the mark of the beast, Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 and 17, He will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead without which they're not going to be able to buy or sell. Moving us off of a cashless society onto a totally digital platform is the only way that they would be able to implement this. Think about that. If cash was still available, how would, and stores and different things were still taking cash, how could they implement the mark of the beast? They couldn't. Cash is freedom. The government cannot know what you're doing if you use cash. But once you start to use your debit card or your credit card or um, Venmo and all these different ways where you can use your phone and everything, now you're creating a digital footprint so the bankers and the government, everybody knows exactly what you're doing. Your data, you would not believe how much your data is being used by companies all over the world to market to you and everything. I can be talking to somebody. Uh, I can talk to my wife on one of our date nights and we can talk about uh, a new car that we would love to have I can't afford but I'd love to have and I would love to have one of the new Toyota Sequoias oh man I love those now I can't afford one but I'd love to have one well I'll get we both love them but I I will get things on my phone about, almost immediately, by the time I order, I'll get things on Facebook and different things about Toyota Sequoias. And so I'm thinking, my, I mean, they're listening to my conversations because they're marketing to you. And they, But there will come a time in the future where they will try to, to control your finances as a result of all this. Because we've moved off of cash and now we're on a digital society. Well, it's happening around the world. RIPT, RIPT, the news organization, they posted an article and it says, Europe's new digital identity wallet, a guarantor of digital security or a backdoor to tyranny. Now listen to this. Last Wednesday, Thierry Breton, EU's internal marketing, market commissioner, proudly announced on Twitter X, that he had struck a deal with the members of the European Parliament, the MEPs, to create a European digital identity wallet, which would permit all EU citizens to have a secured e-identity for their lifetime. Okay? Sounds pretty innocent at this point, right? Except, unless you understand Revelation 13, 16-18, according to the European Commission's own website, The European digital identity can be used for a whole range of transactions, including providing personal identification on and offline, showing birth certificates, medical certificates, opening a bank account, filing tax returns, applying for a university, storing a medical prescription, renting a car, checking into a hotel. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? Several people, including the Dutch member of the European Parliament or an MEP, Rob Ruse. They've raised concerns, though, that a centralized, government-controlled digital ID could put European privacy and mobility rights in jeopardy. Now listen at this, guys. In theory, a universal European, now I say in theory, okay? A universal European digital ID could be programmed in such a way that the citizen has full control over which parts of his or her digital wallet he shares at any given moment and which he or she does not share. Now that's in theory, but in practice it would be highly naive to assume that a programmable Europe-wide digital ID controlled by a, a, a centralized bureaucracy could not sooner or later be exploited to nudge or let's say shove people into complying with the policies that happen to be favored by the powers that be. And it does not require a wild leap of imagination to envisage the the sorts of ways a European digital ID could be leveraged to erode the equality and freedom of Europeans. Since the very same individuals that are the public face of the ID, the digital ID initiative, were the ones who set in motion the most pervasive system of biosurveillance in the history of Europe. Now we're gonna get deep into this, so so listen carefully. Namely, the so-called COVID digital certificates. Now, the operation of the COVID digital certificates, which was approved by both the European Commission, the same one now pushing for the digital ID system, and the European Parliament. So if you were in Europe, you'd feel real comfortable about this, wouldn't you? Having just come through all the COVID digital stuff. Well, these are the same ones. The European Commission that pushed that and the European Parliament that can give them a, a fairly clear, it can give us a clear, fairly clear idea of the uses to which these European technocrats, that they're likely to put a digital ID system and to get it to do if they're given a chance. So, the COVID digital certificate was used to compel citizens who had not received the COVID vaccine within a certain time period to abstain, to obtain a costly and inconvenient COVID test every time they crossed a the European border, and was even used to deny entry to unvaccinated citizens at cultural and, let's say, um, recreational venues across Europe, sporting events, things like that. In other words, the COVID digital certificate served as a mechanism for coercing citizens into injecting a certain medication into their bloodstream. I'm not saying there was anything wrong with any vaccine. I'm not anti-vaccine. I was anti this past vaccine. That's for another discussion for another day. And created a two-tier, I'm actually anti-government coercion is what I'm against. And so, anyway, we'll talk about the vaccines at some other point. Um, and created a two-tier society in which the unvaccinated were treated as a new social and political underclass. Now, imagine if a centrally controlled European digital certificate was offered to all European citizens as a tool for accessing, let's say, um, wide range of uh, services from air travel, and hotel stays, car rentals, access to recreational venues, and access to online digital services. Initially, let's say, presumably, the certificate would be optional and citizens could use other valids for validating their identity. Then, under the pretext of, let's say, enhancing citizens' security, the certificate might very well uh, become obligatory for an increasing number of transactions, if you need, if you want, uh, let's say, government healthcare or whatever. Now, the next step would be to gradually expand the information contained on the certificate, and use the certificate as a way to deny or approve citizens' access to, let's say, certain services based on their spending habits, their vaccination status, or remember, these are the same people wanting this digital wallet as we're pushing the vaccination, the digital vaccination card. So imagine if they were to maybe approve a citizen's access based on their vaccination status or their social credit score. Of course, this is not something that we can be 100% certain is going to happen. But the recent implementation of that vaccine apartheid in Europe that they went through should disabuse us of any illusion that Europe's political leadership are committed to respecting and defending their civil liberties or their equal access to public amenities and services. What if they just said no? Then what? I mean, politicians like Thierry Breton and um, Ursula von der Leyen and those members of the European Parliament and member state governments that cheered them on during the pandemic, they were prepared to treat citizens like, I mean, almost like cattle or disease vectors to be vaccinated and tested en masse with scant regard for their personal medical history or, or risk factors. So it's surely only a matter of time before people with this sort of contempt for individual liberty would be inclined to take advantage of a technology like a universal digital ID as a lever to control people's private choices with a view of advancing their own careers and policy goals. Think about this. Quite a few, quite a few citizens said no To an experimental vaccine and quite a few citizens still question the scientific and political rationale for imposing burdensome carbon taxes because of this propaganda of human-induced global warming which climate change forcibly expropriating farmland based on climate directives and people are saying no to these 15-minute cities making space for transgender ideologies in hospitals and classrooms or abstaining from whatever the powers that be deemed to be hate speech. But what better method to induce public compliance with unpopular or controversial public policies and laws than to reward compliance with enhanced mobility and enhanced access to social amenities and services, but then on the other hand punish somebody who is non-compliant with reduced mobility, reduced access to services and amenities. Isn't that exactly what the digital COVID certificate, which was a brainchild of the same commission, the same commission that's pushing this, did? So can you see how they could use a potential digital platform to economically sanction people if our banking went completely digital? Or a central bank digital currency. Now, we'll have to live through some of this to see how it all specifically plays out. I know the mark of the beast is coming. How that is fully implemented, I don't know at this point. But I'm telling you what, I'm reading everything I can get my hands on. And the central bank digital currency and these global IDs, they're two of the main things that I can see pointing us straight towards the mark of the beast system And I'm glad there are people here in the United States that are fighting it. But there are are nations around the world that are just moving full off into this stuff, you guys. And I'm praying for them. Because I know that the Mark of the Beast system is coming in in the majority of the parts of the world. And so, what are we talking about here? I'm giving you a worldview. Prophecy is happening all over the world. It's just, it's it's happening so fast, it's hard for us to keep up with everything. What does it do to me? It gives me a sense of urgency that I have to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God around the entire world because the second coming of Jesus Christ and the rapture is just ahead of us now. God bless you, my friend.